Welcome back to these video Bible classes brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. We are enjoying a rich study of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the young evangelist Timothy. Last time, we studied the opening paragraph of 1 Timothy chapter 4 where the Holy Spirit knew apostasy was coming. Paul was to give this warning to Timothy about some who would depart from the faith. The next part follows up on that, and we are at verse 6 in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I think it will be good for us, for the sake of continuity, to read from verse 1, down through verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received by thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Now we're at verse 6 in 1 Timothy 4. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Paul made it very clear after writing about this apostasy that would come that Timothy was to put this before the brethren. At this point in our study, again, we are able to see what the work of an evangelist is, to issue warnings to brethren with such spiritual, scriptural foundation and urgency, Christians are made aware and Christians are motivated to resist temptation and pursue maturity in the faith. A preacher must often deliver warnings to the people who hear him preach. I know there is a modern popular tendency to soothe, to entertain, to tickle the ears, to make people laugh and feel good, an inordinate emphasis on this is dangerous 
and can leave people vulnerable, open to attack, and not well-nourished by the Word. If I can see from Scripture that something could attack you or weaken you or diminish your hope, I cannot be silent. I cannot just give you sugar when you may need some strong medicine. I cannot just play around with the edges of Scripture. I must preach the whole counsel of God, and that includes the tough warnings, the call to stand for truth, and the clear exposure of sin and apostasy. Paul related to Timothy from the Holy Spirit that some would depart from the faith. And then he said, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. This is part of the biblical job description of an evangelist. I must be committed to this. And you have responsibility to make certain that you get from the pulpit that you listen to or the recording or live stream exactly what Paul wrote about preaching and teaching. Look at these other expressions, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Let me ask you something. Do preachers need to be trained? Let me say, anything you do in the Lord's work demands good preparation. Of course, preachers need to be prepared. They need to be trained. Foremost, they need to be trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine. Now, a man may do this through his own personal study. He may have teachers. He may require a mentor. He may study the Bible in formal settings or informal, but there isn't any way to doubt that preachers need to be trained. First, first in the exact words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. You have to get this Bible open, understand it well, and read it over and over, and know how to study effectively, and how to teach others to read and study to avoid apostasy and to live right. So it says, if you put these things before the brothers, do you see that? If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Let's continue at verse 7. The evangelist is to have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. The preacher who is constantly looking for the novel, the sensational, the dramatic, the clever twist of doctrine needs to be shown the way out of the pulpit. Just give the people the word. It happens sometimes. Preachers go out hunting for something that will shake everybody up or will impress somebody the preacher wants to impress. Some new thing, something that will amaze people that they didn't know before, something they want credit for finding. 
something the preacher wants to be given credit for. Let those men get out of the pulpit until they can mature in their own faith and rather use men who are trained for godliness, which includes the commitment to just give people the word, give them the word and live the word. You see that. I've known preachers, I've known preachers who have had this strong ambition to prove to the brethren that they are independent thinkers. And so they scrap around and dig into denominational garbage cans and find some innovative, novel little twist or turn of doctrine. And they announce it with great fanfare, embarrass themselves, divide brethren, and confuse young people. It is a mess. It's a big spiritual mess that some preachers make. And somebody has to come in and then do cleanup work. Let a man find his place with God like everybody else. And let a man study the word and deliver nothing but the word. Then it says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There are some of us who would like for the Bible to say physical exercise is of no value because we may not have great enthusiasm about working out or physical exercise. But here's what the Bible says. Bodily training is of some value. But what is taught here is perspective or priority. What is more important? than physical exercise, spiritual exercise, an active life in service to God. In every way, we can be of service to God who made us and redeemed us. The active life of service to God, godliness, Paul says, holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Physical training can do you good while you're here and have a body. Godliness holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Both have value, but the latter has more value. Have you noticed this? Almost every time you're out driving somewhere, you see people on a walking trail, engaged in and apparently devoted to physical exercise, bodily training, and we sometimes wonder how many of those people are engaged in spiritual training. How many of those people are, are connected with other Christians and connected with Bible study? We know they're connected with physical exercise, and that has some value. But Paul says, here's what has greater value, godliness. Preachers, elders, all Christians should be working out daily in the valuable spiritual exercises of godliness. Verses 9 and 10. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially 
of those who believe. Here is that repeated phrase where Paul gives a word of assurance, reminding Timothy and all readers, you can count on this. This is from God. You can trust God. You can accept this teaching fully. Here is a good instructive phrase that captures our hope in verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. The hard work and sacrifice of men like Paul and Timothy was not without good purpose. They were toiling and striving toward a goal, an eternal outcome. Their hope was set on the living God. That hope motivated and sustained them in all their toil and striving. It applies to every Christian the hardships, the persecution, the obstacles, the pressure and intensity of being a Christian in this world has this perfect end in view. It is worth it. Our hope is set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. God offers salvation to all. It is granted specifically to obedient believers. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Takeaways. Look back at verse 6 for a minute, and let me bring up something about the structure of that statement leading to an important practical point. If, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Let's observe, if you do something, you will be a good servant. If you put these things before the brothers about this apostasy, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. The principle involved here is to be a good servant. There are good things to do. You can't just get baptized and just say you're a good servant. You can't just call yourself a servant. There are attitudes and activities and engagements to be a good servant of the Lord. Timothy had a singular task brought up by Paul in this context to inform the brethren of this departure from the faith. In doing this, in taking this action, accompanied by all the other actions necessary for Timothy, he would prove himself to be a faithful servant. Notice again that powerful expression, being trained in the words of of the faith and of the good doctrine. God has spoken. His word has been revealed, and we have it. 
to form our faith and inform our doctrine. Young preachers must be trained in the words of the faith. Middle-aged preachers must be trained in the words of faith. Old preachers, elders, Bible teachers, parents, all of us, we ought to consider ourselves in training until we die. Watch out what you get caught up in. Verse 7, freely translated and applied in modern times, might sound something like this. Watch out what you get caught up in, maybe on social media. Be careful. You may wind up tossing around irreverent, silly myths. The high technology of our time and the social media has made it so easy to spread junk around. I believe there are good uses we can make of technology and social media. I hope we're doing that now. But in the hands of those who are careless and undisciplined, it can become a breeding ground for irreverent, silly myths. We ought to take care of our bodies, but with healthy perspective, realizing the godliness that God wants us to embrace that has the greater value. No excuse is given here to neglect the good care of your body, but don't get so involved in that you neglect nourishment of the soul. Then it says, we have our hope set on the living God. I hope that's where your hope is set as we conclude this study in 1 Timothy. Thank you for listening.